Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 59, The Journey to Hell. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. Hello, Zena. Hello, Pastor. Are we ready to take the red pill today? We are. We hope you are too and ready to join us. So we are recording an episode that actually we recorded a, co- a week ago. And yes. we had technical difficulties with the sound. We did. Which we've hopefully worked out now. So we're re-recording it. So the episode that's right before this one is called The Lake of Fire. And it's episode 58. This was supposed to be before that, and it would have been episode 58. So if you hear any references in episode 58 to last week we talked about, well, we did, but we couldn't keep the recording. That's very true. (laughs) So it's going to be this week that we'll talk about, and this time we're going to talk about the journey to hell. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So we actually uh, went through this once already, so we're going to be doing it again for the benefit of you having a recording for it and uh, being able to hear the references, because... Prior to the study on the Lake of Fire, Zena, we talked about the underworld. We did. And so we've got three compartments there. Mm -hmm. And then the journey to hell would be focusing on the one compartment in Hades that is the prison of the wicked dead Mm -hmm. or the unrighteous dead or whatever you want to call them. In our series on the underworld, it's the Greek word Gienna, and it's where the rich man who died... And he opened up his eyes in hell. And whereas the poor man went to Abraham's bosom paradise mm-hmm. and he could see him, but he couldn't come do anything to help him. Right. So we're going to go back and discuss those things about the journey to hell in a way that we're going to let the scriptures give us some information so that we can collate together a like a, a, a list of steps of what would happen to a person who died without Christ and who ended up dying and going to hell and what would happen to them. Oh. So I guess what, just in time for Halloween, right? Yes. (laughs) So when you're thinking about those spooks in the yard and the little skeletons and whatever, we may laugh and have fun with the kids, but in reality, this would be a horrifying thing. Yes. So you'll recall the three compartments there, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're looking at a chart right now that we, uh, we posted in our episode about the underworld. But right now, we're talking about this compartment, Gehenna, the place of torment. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so we'll keep in mind that in the diagram, even if it's just a drawing, there's gates or bars, which there really is an entrance, and even Christ referred to the gates of hell. Mm-hmm. And then above the gates and bars, I have these squiggly lines meant to designate water. 
Okay. And we're going to find out where that water comes from when we talk about Jonah again. Do you remember us discussing a little bit about Jonah? Yes, Jonah and the whale. Now you're more familiar with that story. (laughs) A lot of people kind of know that story from the childhood perspective Mm -hmm. of, oh, a big fish swallowed him up. Whatever, but when we see what really happened in the scriptures, we find out why he's a type of Christ dying and going to hell for our sins. So we'll start in the book of Hebrews, and I even got my iPad fixed. Yes, we were having some difficulties with that as well. Yeah, I had the wrong Bible version showing for just all of a sudden, randomly, it pulled up a different version that I was used to. And I'm sorry, but when you get used to a version of the Bible, you you read it and you kind of have an idea of where you are. You pick up another Bible, and it's like, I don't know what I'm looking at. (laughs) I don't know where I am, so I I should study more, but there you have it. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 9, and we'll start in verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So verse 28 is the beautiful picture that Christ will return for those that believe on him. But appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment is that everybody who dies will face a judgment. In Christ, you've already been judged. Yes. We were found guilty, tried and convicted, sentenced to death, and Christ took our place. Mm -hmm. So he bore our sins and the penalty, which was death, and God was satisfied with the sacrifice and raised him from the dead. Yeah. For those that don't have Christ, they don't have that substitute. So when they die, they'll afterwards face a judgment. And so that's where all this comes from. Uh, In the book of Ezekiel... The prophet Ezekiel, chapter 18, we read these words. Verse 4, Behold, all souls are mine, God says. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son uh, is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. So we're all going to die. Nobody lives forever. Very true. Uh, We're going to eternally exist either in a glorified body in eternity with the Lord Mm -hmm. or in a body prepared for torment eternally in the lake of fire. And that ended up being last week's episode. Yeah. Okay, the lake of fire. So you don't want to go there. No, you don't. But the people that die right now, since we've learned the lake of fire does not yet exist on the earth, they go into the place of hell, which is the prison, awaiting their judgment. Mm -hmm. And that place is bad. It's worse than the lake of fire, but it's bad. So we're going to discuss enough of the attributes of hell so that when we take our journey, you'll understand what the scriptures are that leads us there. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we go to Psalm 63. And once we, once we get enough passages, we'll put the pieces together and we'll take the trip. Uh, figuratively. Yes. <laughs> Not literally. We don't want to do it literally, that's for sure. <clears throat> Psalm 63, verse 6. David writes, when I remember thee upon my bed about the Lord and meditate on thee in the night watches because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee, excuse me, thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes and on and on. And the lower parts of the earth would be one of those three compartments, but we know it wouldn't be Abraham's bosom if they're seeking to destroy him. 
Yeah. They would be the enemies of righteousness that would mm-hmm. end up in that place called Guiana. And then the book of Job gives us a little bit of insight into that location in chapter 17, verse 14. And Job, remember, was afflicted with all these boils, and mm-hmm. he was uh, lamenting the day he was born, and he wanted to die. I can't imagine the pain he was in. Yeah. And while he was a real man, and he really lived in history, he's a picture and type of Israel in tribulation. Mm-hmm. So he's praying that God would come back, and he says, I've said to corruption, thou art my father, to the worm, thou art my mother and my sister, and where is now my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? They shall go down to the bars of the pit when our rest together is in the dust. So while the Hebrew word for hell or pit or grave was Sheol, people want to say, oh, it's just the grave like where you dig and put a body in. Yeah. But there's no bars there. It's not really the pit. Mm -hmm. The pit is this place in the earth, and we've seen it has gates. So he's talking about those that would go down into the pit of this prison of Guiana. And then Isaiah, the prophet, gives us another. Maybe I should have turned the music off because we want to groove to it. You know, <laughs> like, I can like, hear it. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> We're listening to smooth jazz as we record. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> I don't think y'all can hear it being picked up, but uh, we hear it. So. <laughs> Chapter 24 of Isaiah and verse 21 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high. And this whole chapter is a picture of the wrath that's coming on the earth and the satanic global elite, mm-hmm. you know, and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. And after many days shall they be visited. And really, if we're talking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, when the Lord punishes the high ones and the, the kings, then uh, when that day happens, He comes to reign on the earth for a thousand years. So they'll be in this prison of the pit of hell for a thousand years before they're going to be judged. Yes. So the many days would be those thousand years. So think about they'll be there a thousand years if they are alive when the Lord comes back and they fight against him. But there have been wicked that have been dead in hell since Adam. Yes. So for 6,000 years. Whoa. So it'll be 7,000 years they've been in that prison. That stinks. Or the angels that sin that are in the bottomless pit in mm-hmm. Tartarus, they've been there for thousands of years, you know, Monsters. too. Yeah. So, yeah, not a, not a happy place. Nope, not at all. Now, in chapter 5 of the same book of Isaiah, we read in verse 14, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself. Remember last week when we recorded this the first time, we talked about why is it a she? You know? Yeah, I always wondered that. And, and it's always just symbolism because, like I said, even in the Bible... Israel, the nation, is called God's wife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, but at the same time, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is a she. Yes. You know? The tree of life is a she. Yeah. There's, there's many feminine. And then Israel, of course, was a man. Mm-hmm. His name was Jacob. Uh, and, you know, in, in different pictures, she can be the wife that he betrothes back to her and he marries her again. Or she can be the unfaithful wife that he divorced. That's true. And was went. Uh, she was caught in adultery, and she was a whoring after the other gods. Mm-hmm. So it can be both a negative and a positive connotation, whether it's intended to be in the masculine or the feminine. So hell can be masculine too. Okay. But in this particular case, it says hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, 
and their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. So talking about the arrogant and the boastful that go down there, it's like she's like, hey, I'm not going to have any. When you think about it, I guess when I think of um, like compassion, I think of in the feminine. Okay. I tend to think of a woman as being more compassionate, more sympathetic, more understanding than a man because we're mostly just jerks. Yeah, <laughs> most very of the true. Time. <laughs> most of the time. Not God, the Father, he's got mercy and compassion, but he's the one that will administer the wrath at the same time. Mm-hmm. See? So when you think about, I use the example of a baby, a newborn, and a mother waking up at three in the morning to feed him. Oh, yeah. And she's exhausted, but, you know, she gets up because of love and compassion and she feeds the baby. The husband tries to pretend like he can't hear it, you know. Oh, yeah, you guys are good at that. Or ignores it, right? <laughs> or our inclination is, where's my screwdriver? It's broken. I need to fix it. <laughs> this, this thing is turned on. I got to turn it off. So we, we don't always, you know, look at things the way we should. So maybe the idea of hell enlarging herself is like even hell personified as a woman won't have compassion on you. There's plenty of room for more mm-hmm. of you arrogant, wicked leaders that should have known better. Yes. You know? And so verse 15, and the mean man shall be brought down, the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled, but the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. Now, you know something I didn't talk about when we first recorded this, but I came to research this a little bit, that phrase, the Lord of hosts. It's used like 240-something times in the Bible. Why is that? Do you know what a host is? I'm thinking of the person that gives you the menu and walks you to your table. Yeah, right. Or a hostess if it's a woman, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. So, um, and then in some cases, a host is like um, if uh, it's kind of a biological term and it doesn't really apply here, but if a... uh, if an animal had a parasite, like a, um, a dog had a tick, mm-hmm. the dog is the host okay. of the parasite. Yeah. Kind of gross, but, but yeah. <laughs> but the word host literally means armies. Armies. So we have terms in the Bible, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, the host of heaven, the armies of heaven. When you think about it, he's always been the Lord of hosts. Even before he created heaven and earth, mm-hmm. before he created man, so he's he's a he's a god of war, meaning there's been war going on for maybe millions of years in the battle of Satan and his fallen angels against God and his son and his angels. Yeah. So the Lord of hosts, he, they've been fighting a long time. Man is a Johnny come lately. You know, God God renovated the earth and put man on it, and he said, okay, I'm going to give you dominion. And the angels are like, you know, this is our newborn baby brother. Yeah. You know, he's just been around for 6,000 years. They've been around for millennia, fighting battles. Yeah. Intergalactic wars. Why didn't he stop it beforehand? Why, why now? It has to be part of the plan of the final defeat of Satan. And he got in man involved. To trick him, because what does he end up doing to make 
possible the redemption. I mean, God would have known that man was going to sin yes. and rebel against him and follow Satan, as mm-hmm. many do today. He could have just said, ah, they're not worth it. I won't even bother. He had planned all along that this was going to be the way that he would ultimately defeat Satan. So imagine, it's, and it's not that God couldn't just snap his fingers and make the universe disappear. Yeah. But, I mean, he created it. And it's so vast and it's so big and he intends it to be utilized and explored and whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So the angels want that too. They're fighting for it. The bad angels, the dark angels. They want control of dominion. They want dominion. And evidently, as we've seen in the past, Satan once had dominion of the earth. And he, and he sinned and messed it up. So God destroyed that planet. And then he brought out of it the world we know now. Yeah. And he took some mud, <laughs> some dirt, and he made a man. And he said, you're now king. You're in charge. Mm-hmm. And so by royal decree, the king gave dominion. The king creator gave dominion to Adam, the creation. And he said, now you're king of the earth. So when you think about it, why did God do this? Why did God do that? We ask that question a lot, you know. Yes. At the same token, why wouldn't Satan just come down and kill man? Well, he evidently he can't. Yeah. He's limited in his powers. And it's starting to dawn on me, if all these armies are in heaven, hosts, and they've been battling all these years, what is man to fight an angel? We, it'd be like superior technology. It'd be like Independence Day. Yeah. You know, the movie? They could come down and just wipe us out mm-hmm. with their advanced firepower. Why don't they just do that? Well, they can't because they're legally forbidden to do so. So Satan's thinking, how do I get the dominion back? Well, man owns the title to the property, the earth. Okay. And we'll call it the birthright, if you will. So now it's like, I can't just come take your house. You own it. Mm-hmm. Your name's on the title, right? I would have to sue you in court and try to prove, no, I'm the real owner. <laughs> and you'd be able to say, sorry, but dude, I made all the payments. Yes. Here's the title. My name's <laughs> on it. You can go jump in the lake. So Satan, it's the same with him. He can't just come in and take dominion. Yeah. So he's got to convince mankind to sign the title over to him. Not going to happen. It is going to happen. It's happening right now. But I haven't agreed to sign it over, so... You haven't, but here's what happens. Get ready, folks. We're going to have to do a whole study on this later. But um, if all the wealth, or even the majority of the wealth in the world, is transferred from us, the common, you know, uh, the people or the majority, into the 1%'s hands, the satanic global elite the corporate oligarchs, then they control the property on the planet. It's just like a corporate takeover. If you have a controlling interest, you can do a hostile takeover of a corporation. Mm -hmm. Well, socialism is a hostile takeover of property rights. Why is property so important? You say, ah, it's just property. No, it's title deed to the earth. If the satanic global elite gain control of enough of the property, because they've already got all the money, What they want is power. Yeah. So then they've got the title deed. They go to Satan and they say, here you go. Come on. Come on in. Rule us. And that's what's about to happen. Did you know that in the last four years, the majority of wealth prior to four years ago, 80% of the wealth was owned by the middle class of the world? No, I did not know that. 
80% of the wealth just transferred and is now owned by 1% of the population. How'd that even happen? Through artificial intelligence, through socialism and Marxism. And, and you know, it's so funny because a socialist wants to stick it to the man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's saying, hey, those greedy uh, corporate guys, you know, we're going to stick it to the man with socialism. Give everybody the same equal thing. They don't realize that the same corporate man they want to stick it to created socialism to deceive them into giving them their property rights. <laughs> so it's like they play right into his hands. Yeah. They're patsies. To, Marx and all those were patsies to Satan and his trick mm-hmm. of gaining control of property. And if he's got the title deed to the earth, then when he comes down, he can say, I'm God. You can worship me as king. I'm going to rule over you. Because he can't do it unless it's through humanity, which is why the Antichrist is going to have to be a hybrid, part human, part angel, like the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. So when you think about it, Jesus is the eternal son of God. He was in the beginning with God. He's mm-hmm. the word of God. He created the universe. But since God decreed that man has the earth, God decided, okay, I love mankind, even though they rebelled against me. I need to redeem them. He could have redeemed us any way he wanted to. He's God. He could have said, you know, uh, click your heels together three times and say there's no place like home. (laughs) And you're saved. Yeah. But he didn't do that. He became a man born of a woman, Mary, to, to grow up as a human being, flesh and blood, so he could die. But that's not the only reason he had to become a man for the purposes of death, so he could pay for sins. Mm-hmm. He also had to become a man so he could lay claim to the title deed. Legal. That makes Lord sense. So when he comes back, he's king of kings and lord of lords, and he's going to rule over the earth. Satan's trying to do it by deception. Jesus Christ did it by sacrifice. Okay. Yeah. And that's something. It's an amazing picture. And it all, and all these ages of battle in the Lord of hosts are culminating in that one singular event of Calvary mm-hmm. and the cross. It, it's just blows my mind. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, we got off track because we were talking about the journey to hell. But we want to talk about the good things too. Yes. <clears throat> so hell enlarges herself. And back in Ezekiel, one more time, uh, chapter 32. And I hope I didn't get that wrong. I think I mistook that last time. I don't know why I'm in trouble finding Ezekiel today. 32 and verse 21. Let's see if that's right. Did I get this right? Yeah. The strong among the mighty shall speak to him out of the midst of hell with them that help him. They are gone down. They lie uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Asher is there in all her company. Uh, His graves are about him, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, whose graves are set in the sides of the pit. Now, remember, we talked about that. Imagine graves in the side of the pit of hell. Yes. You know, and her company is round about her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, which caused terror in the land of the living. So the point is all these mighty, powerful, rich oppressors throughout history are in hell in their little graves in the side, burning in torments and flames, waiting for... Christ to come back. That's not a beautiful picture. Not a beautiful picture at all. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. 
Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. So we're getting a picture, though, of the, I guess you could say, the logistics of hell. It's a pit, there's bars, there's graves, there's sides, there's torments, there's flames. Mm -hmm. The rich, the mighty, the powerful are there, the wicked are there. And then in Psalm 69... Or the 69th Psalm, I guess is what you should say it. Verse 1 we read, Save me, O God, for the waters are come into my soul, in, unto my soul. I sink in deep mire, which is like mud or swamp, mm-hmm. where there's no standing. I'm come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I'm weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. And what we're reading here is while David wrote this psalm, as a prophet, he's writing about Jesus Christ in hell. Okay. So it's like the words of Christ as he was there. O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Now those would be David. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord, God of hosts, so there it is again, be ashamed for my sake, appealing to the God of the heavenly armies. Mm-hmm. You know. <clears throat> Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel, because for thy sake I have borne reproach. Shame hath covered my face. Reproach and shame is like the, you know, the, the, uh, you're bearing the, uh, the sins of others, you know. I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. We've already seen that the half-brothers of Jesus didn't believe on him. Yes. Know? For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment, and I became a proverb to them. They that sit in the gate speak unto me, and I was the song of the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time, O God. In the multitude of thy mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Deliver me out of the mire, and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up. And let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Ooh. Yeah, so there's the picture of Christ in hell. And we, what we really come down to is he literally went to hell when he paid for sins and he died on the cross. And he cried out from hell. In many passages, and even in the Psalms, he cries out and God delivers him. And he didn't keep his soul in hell because his sacrifice was sufficient. But before he even died... 
Christ warned, or he didn't warn, but he prophesied, if you will, in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 38, the unbelieving Pharisees wanted another sign from him. He'd been performing miracles and signs all along. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee, as if they were coming to him saying, do a trick. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of just believing what he was already doing, they were trying to make him like a carnival act. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas, which is Jonah the prophet. Mm-hmm. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So we went ahead last week and we said, okay, well, we'll look into Jonah and see what happens. Yes. And when I say last week, I mean the recording that didn't work. <laughs> Nobody ever heard that but Jazina and I. <laughs> so we go to the book of Jonah to get the picture that Christ was saying. In other words, Jonah is the type of Christ in the earth, mm-hmm. in Hades. So we go to Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Most people know the story of Jonah. He was told to go preach in Nineveh. He didn't want to go. He tried to run and hide, and God said, no, not going to happen. Yeah. So uh, he prepared a fish to swallow him up. He tries to sail away, yep. The men figure out in in the boat, oh, you're the reason this storm is about to kill us all. Mm -hmm. So he said, yeah, you better toss me out. So he he, (laughs) tossed Jonah out. At least he admitted it. He did admit it. And in chapter 1, verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And we have to erase from our mind the childlike image of him sitting on a raft fishing inside a whale, (laughs) like Pinocchio's father, Geppetto. He died. Inside a whale's belly would be no air, and and he drowned. Verse 1 of chapter 2, Then Jonah prayed out of the Lord, uh, unto the Lord is God out of the fish's belly. He's not literally standing in the stomach acid yeah. praying to God. He's in hell praying. His soul is praying, okay? okay. The body is, is you know, beginning to digest <clears throat> in the whale's belly. And he said, <laughs> I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. So that's where he really is. His soul's in hell. For thou hast, hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, surrounded me. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. A picture of Jesus never losing hope. Even though he had to go to hell to suffer for sins, he knew God would raise him from the dead. Yes. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul, the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head, which is implying that while he was literally in the whale's belly and there could be seaweed wrapped around his head mm-hmm. and his physical body, he also physically took a journey in a soul body that went down. Verse 6, I went to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. And they must be huge gates. Yeah. So big that, you know, hell hath enlarged her mouth and the gates are so big, you can't see the end of it. You know, it's like looking at the Great Wall of China and you can't see the end yeah. so long, you know. 
the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple in heaven. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. <laughs> but I, and that's an interesting passage there. Lying vanities is idols. Mm-hmm. They that uh, observe them, worship them, forsake their own mercy. They are forsaking the fact that they're turning from the one source of mercy that they have if they worship idols and gods and fallen angels. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get redemption in Christ. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So it's really a beautiful picture. Uh, not beautiful that he had to suffer. Uh, I was like, where? Well, yeah, not beautiful that he had to go to hell, but beautiful that he was delivered out of it. Okay. And he took our place, so we would never have to go there. That's the beauty. Yeah. No, not, you know, what, what, you know when you think about it, somebody once told me a story where... But you're talking about Jesus Christ, not Jonah, correct? Jesus Christ, okay. yeah, absolutely. So and what I was going to say was he has scars mm-hmm. from the wounds and the whipping and the, and the nail and the sword yeah. and all that. So um, somebody once told me a story that, that they knew a, a woman that had a daughter and the woman was scarred all over from burns. When she, you know, and the, 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 the little girl was, had no scars, so she was really pretty. But uh, she was embarrassed to be seen in public with her mom. And uh, she, there, there was this sort of a you know, cold relationship between yeah. the mother and the daughter. And uh, until one day she spoke to a woman that knew her mother. And she says, do you know why your mother is so scarred? And she said, no, we never talked about it. And she said, you all were in a car accident when you were a baby. And... She saved you from the flames by burning herself to get you safe and out of the car. And the, dirt, the daughter never knew that. Wow. And so when she went home, she began to kiss her mother's scars because she finally realized yeah. that they were like, uh, they were beautiful to her now mm-hmm. because it was her life. And that's why I think of the scars and the death of Christ in, in hell and all that mm-hmm. is that it was beautiful because it prevented us from having to suffer. That's true. That, so that's really what I meant by that. I should have made that more clear <laughs> when I said You're that. You're like, it's so beautiful. Yeah, that did sound <laughs> funny. I'm glad you were there to correct it. <laughs> so in Matthew chapter 10, notice verse 28, uh, we see, um, uh, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell, which implies that there's something that's like a soulish body prepared for the torments of hell. Mm-hmm. And it would feel pain. It would feel the, the torments and the flames. Ooh, that's no fun. Yeah. And Hebrews 10.31 says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God because the living God is just and righteous, and he can only measure based on his righteousness what a person deserves. Mm-hmm. I deserve hell. I deserve wrath, but I was given righteousness through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He offers that gift freely to anyone that will believe it. But if we choose to reject it when we've heard it and yeah. can receive it, then we'll give an account for why we rejected it. And then you'll fall into the hands of the living God who's going to demand an account from you. So when, since we've already talked about the rich man in heaven, uh, or that went to hell rather, I want to uh, use that as our beginning of the journey. Mm -hmm. to hell. Okay, so we'll go to Luke chapter 16, verse 22. 
And it came to pass that the beggar died. His name was Lazarus. The rich man didn't get a name. But the poor man, the beggar, was Lazarus. I like that name. Yeah. Lazarus. And it's, it's interesting that Lazarus is a name that's associated with the raise, being raised from the dead. There was another man named Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So Lazarus has a lot to do. It's, it's sim, symbolic of resurrection, mm-hmm. meaning that this man is going to be raised from the dead someday. The, the beggar, right? So it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. You see a beautiful picture of the loving care of our elder brethren, you know, the, uh, the angels, because mm-hmm. we are sons of God as, as by adoption. They were sons of God by creation, and we will be joining them in a family reunion someday. But they carried him into Abraham's bosom, into paradise in the earth. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So the rich man had no angels carrying him, no concern or care for him at all that you can see. And the next thing you see is he dies, and he opens his eyes, and he's in torments. Yes. Well, he got there through a journey when his soul left his body. Mm -hmm. And we're going to take that journey now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So we're, we're going to take it like we're watching a movie. Yes, So at go, least we can say, hey, you know, I'm not glad I'm not in that movie. <laughs> You've been warned. That's right. So Job 27, verse 19, we read, The rich man shall lie down, but he shall not be gathered. And we think of like gathered like the angels took up a yeah. Lazarus. He openeth his eyes and he is not, meaning he's no longer alive. Terrors take hold on him as waters. A tempest, a wind, a strong storm, stealeth him away in the night. The east wind carrieth him away, and he departeth. And as a storm, hurleth him out of his place. And if you've ever been outside at night during a storm, it's dark. It's dark, and it's scary. It's scary. And if the power goes out, it's really dark. Yes. So imagine in a time before electricity, you know. Oh, gosh. How dark it would be. Yeah. You can't see sun, moon. I mean, you can't see moon or stars or anything in that night, and it's so dark. So the storm hurled him out of his place in the night, for God shall cast upon him and not spare. He would fain flee out of his hand. In other words, he, he can't escape. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. And I wonder who those men are. They're mm-hmm. going to get him. It's like he, uh, he dies on the operating table, let's say. Or whatever. Oh, God. He dies in his, <laughs> and his, the soul comes up. And instead of this peaceful light, go to the light, you know, suddenly just this dark yeah. wind and get out. And he scat like, you know, cat, get out of here. You know? Oh, no. And then the next thing you know, he's out in the night. Mm-hmm. And an east wind comes and a huge storm and it blows him away. And then look in Psalm 73 or the 73rd Psalm. It's almost a lot of chapters. 150. The longest book in the Bible, yeah. Verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest, that's hard to say, them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. See, it's like once they've died and they've rejected the opportunity of salvation, God says, I never knew you. He 
turn, complete and utter separation from God from that point forward. And he lets terror take hold oh, and sweep them away. And then in um, the, the next moments, here's what happens. The eyes of the soul are open as it leaves the body. So, like so said, we watch ourselves. <clears throat> yeah. And people have talked about having near-death experiences where they died like on an operating table or in a car accident, but then they came back. Mm-hmm. But they could see their body, their soul leaving their body. You know, And they could look down and they see the paramedics or the doctors or whatever. So the eyes of the soul are open as it leaves the body. The soul is conscious as it departs the body. It's well aware of what's going on. Okay. An east wind comes as a tempest and hurls the soul away. And I don't know who the men are that clap and hiss and shoo them away. Yeah. But it could be like they're they're demons or something, you know. Mm -hmm. The the tempest sucks the soul downward into the earth through a watery pathway. So we take the the trip that Jonah took. You know, I don't mean you'll be swallowed by a fish or a whale. Yeah. You'll go down, okay. Like a water slide. Yeah. And it's not like just going into the Atlantic Ocean. It's Mm -hmm. like you're going into some another dimension of, okay. of, of the natural world that we can't see right now. So the tempest sucks the soul downward into the earth through a watery pathway. The soul is overflowed with water as it goes downward. Remember, this is a person who's just died and is taking the journey to hell. The soul encounters the deep or mire and sinks into it. And it's, imagine like struggling to come out of quicksand okay. you know, or something. And then the soul sees the bottoms of the mountains, which would be like like we talked about. There are actually mountains under the ocean. <clears throat> so they're going to see mountains in this supernatural realm, if you want to call it that. It's really not. But And then the soul sees the bars or gates of hell, so large and so far and wide you can't see the end of them. And they open up to receive you. I don't know if there's a person standing in charge of the gate yeah. or what, you know. But it almost seems as though there's no one around, you know. (laughs) And then the soul sees the mouth of hell open, and the soul enters hell, and the mouth and the gate shut behind it. That's a horrifying thought. Yeah. And they're going to be in that prison until the Lord brings them out for the final judgment at the uh, the end when the determination is made or who Mm -hmm. will go into the lake of fire. And that we did talk about last week. Yes. And that's why there's a, a closing verse I want to read in the book of Jude. That says in verse 22, and some of some have compassion making a difference. And obviously we're here to make a difference. Yes. And others, he says, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Hey, there are some people that are so hard headed. Maybe we need to put the fear of God in them. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's so with such a thing as hellfire and brimstone preaching I don't like it when they're trying to say, you're a bad person and you need to be saved because mm-hmm. there's nobody good. Yeah. You know, and if they're focusing on the things you do day to day, that's not the issue. The issue is not your sins. The issue is whether or not you have a savior. Yes. There's none good. I'm not good, but I'm saved based upon what Christ did. So the greatest thing you could do is to trust Christ as your savior because the Bible says in Romans 10, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're a whosoever, you can be saved. I'm a whosoever. We qualify. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope something that we said today would be of benefit to you. Even though it's a disturbing thought, it's important to know what uh, is abiding those that don't want to accept the gift of salvation. And I hope you'll make that decision to be saved today. Yes. So thanks for being here. 
Yes. I feel like we should do a podcast on what happens when you go to heaven. We will. Oh. Yeah. And okay. as a matter of fact. Because I want to know that one. Yeah, we want some, some good. Well, as a matter of fact, the next week's episode, we're going to talk about the world to come. Ooh. Which ties directly into that. It's almost like we'll do that and then we'll do a thing about going to heaven. Oh, such a positive topic. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. But I mean, you have to have the negatives in order to get to the positive. That is true. Very true. Well, listen, I want to thank you all for listening again today. We are almost 36,000 subscribers strong. Holy guacamole. Yeah. Uh, so remember, you can learn all you need to about uh, this podcast and other ministries we have at utbnow.com. Uh, we are, of course, video and audio now. And thank you for everybody that's donating. Remember, you can donate through utbnow.com through PayPal. And write me. Let us know what you want to talk about. And I'm getting a lot of great ideas. So unlock the Bible now at gmail.com. Yes, as always, guys, thank you so much for subscribing. Make sure you like and share, and we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.